You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Listener questions live. It's Friday, the day before the big wild card game, Bengals versus Raiders. A lot of people are nervous. A lot of people are excited. Biggest game in a really long time in the jungle at Paul Brown Stadium. And we've had you covered most of this week between the post game show on Sunday and then four straight episodes back to back to back to back back did i count that right uh <laughs> four straight episodes of a lot of different stuff and uh, really a, a lot of fun between happening headlines having joe goodberry on on wednesday night john and then uh i got to chat with dennis ackerman of the believe in podcast network and then you and i are hitting this up today how are you how are you feeling doing good man back to back to back to back more than jordan in that sense um <laughs> for, for those who uh who like kind of heard about this earlier in the week we were supposed to have some other guests on. We're supposed to have the crew of Orange is the New Black, mm-hmm. Ace and Zim, and even Matt Minnick. Unfortunately, some some real world stuff got in the way for all those guys. I believe two of them are traveling today, and, and Matt has, has got some some duties as well. And j- just just to address uh, something, b- because we were supposed to have Ace and Zim on, just a shout out from from our program to the last two weeks of Ace Boogie's life. For those who don't know, before the Chiefs game on, I believe Sunday morning. There was a picture of Joe Burrow who had the Trace Amigos shirt on. And I'm like, hey, that looks kind of familiar. And and sure enough, it was it was our own Aces merchandise. And the whole story with that, if you don't know, is that he sent uh, Joe and a bunch of other players, I believe the receivers as well, those shirts, hoping that that he or them would wear it at some point. And sure enough, you had Joe Burrow on there and, and it went viral. And it was quite the, the afternoon, quite the last week and a half for NewStripeCity.com. And it was so important for just myself and other people who knew who knew Ace to spread the word that it is New Stripe City. Like that's the only place where you can get that shirt. And hopefully, you know that that week has kind of calmed down for him in terms of chaos. But a fantastic week for our buddy Ace, our partner Ace, and just a shout out from our program to his and from our viewers to say congrats, Ace, for the fantastic week. And it really is Anthony, I guess, like the symbolism of what this Bengals season is. Like not only are the Bengals relevant. But but they're but they're cool in that in that sense. And you were talking about how you know you being out on the West Coast, you were on this island for all your life, and how you know there wasn't a lot of uh, Bengals coverage, Bengals fans in, in your area just outside of Cincinnati. It really has mm. taken on a life of its own for how the culture of the Bengals team and their players are spreading. And we really saw that personified with Ace this past week. It's it's been very cool to see uh, you know the 
the merch that they've created obviously go and and be worn by players and um you know they've they were hanging out with players and this channel we've been really blessed across all of the shows on this channel having access to a lot of great interviews i was just going back and um uh, there's an article going up on cincy jungle i believe today that i that i wrote just kind of recapping all the charities that the Bengals do and i was like oh you know we interviewed some of these guys let's put some of these videos up there for and i'm going there's sam hubbard there's devin and leah still there's ken anderson there's ken riley the second and you know it's just kind of I guess selfishly speaking, and I don't want to, I don't want this to come off as, you know, pat ourselves on the back or anything like that. That's not what this is about. I'm just, sometimes you sit back and you look at what happened with Ace and his, his merch that he came up with the Burrow baby's hat. You're rocking from Zim. A lot of people have that stuff. Joe Goodberry's bangles on the brain stuff. The locked on bangles uh, podcast has a, has a shirt, I think at river city inquiry as well in Cincinnati. Um, so all that kind of stuff um, that is fan driven, and our show, all of our shows, I mean, we try and keep it professional. We try and get the cool interviews. We try and get all this kind of stuff. And, and we've been fortunate to have some of that stuff. But I, I, we put it on Instagram yesterday. This is a fan, po- you know, it's a podcast run by fans. We try and be an objective. We try and be, you know, a professional, like I said, but it's it's a fan podcast for fans. And that's hopefully the, the message that always sticks. And I, I think, you know, I don't want to speak for Ace and Zim and Matt, but, uh, you know, I'd like to think that they would echo those sentiments about their respective shows as well. You know um, that, that they're fans and they try and make it for the fans. And I, I think we all try and do that. And hopefully um, that resonates with, with folks. So um, awesome, awesome week and re- awesome couple of weeks for them. Awesome year across the board for Bengals fans, our shows, all kinds of stuff, just sitting back and still kind of going, wow, you know, all this stuff has, has been pretty cool. So at any rate, we are here to, take your questions and we're here to take them in a number of different ways. And we can do that on a number of live chats, whether it's our YouTube channel, the Cincy jungle, Facebook page, a number of Twitter outlets. You can leave comments there, whether it's John's mine, the Cincy jungle one, the Bengals OBI one, any of those we'll, we'll kind of be keeping an eye there. There's a comment thread on cincyjungle.com on a post. So we'll go there. Um, and of course you can call and text 949-542-6241. We, we welcome that. You can email the OB insider at gmail.com. We're kind of keeping an eye on a lot of different things. We're going to get to as many as possible. The super chats in YouTube do take precedence. We're going to get to every one of those. So if you really want your questions answered, we'll be, uh, we'll be looking at that. So, um, I know we're excited, probably a little bit of nerves among the fan base as well, just based, based on, the Bengals just have heard us before, but that's okay. We're in a new, we're in a new, uh, new era here. And of course, Scott Knight asked one of the big questions of the week here is T Higgins playing. Um, I think you did the injury report as of late yesterday, John, I'm going to pull up the Cincy jungle injury report. Um, some good news on the T Higgins front. This was funny because what happened was on Wednesday, T Higgins was listed as limited, uh, for, with a foot injury. And we talked about it on the Wednesday show, how that could mean one of two things. It could mean it's either a minor injury that he suffered in the middle of it, or it could have been something that he had going in to the practice and they were just monitoring how much he could do. Zach Taylor told media members before Thursday's practice that what happened with Teagans is that he took a couple plays off to meet with a trainer regarding his foot and then immediately came out to finish the rest of practice. And then I believe practice for, if not the entire uh, Thursday session but at least most of it because I, I think he was listed as limited again thursday but 
no big deal with, with T Higgins. There might be something very, very minor with his foot, but not anything enough to keep him out of the game or also make him any less effective than what he's been in the past um, few weeks. So that was, to me, it was almost like a little, little bit of a troll job by whoever does the the injury report, kind of <laughs> freaking everybody out with, oh no, T Higgins is limited, but he's fine. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know the details, the inner workings of it, but uh, you know, I think, I think we can kind of say this, like you said, a, a consultation, whatever, just making sure everything's good, maybe a tune up there, and maybe there's something that occurs in the off season, we'll see. But um, he's playing, and that's that's across the board now. Here is the injury list here. Kind of a lot of names on here, John. Uh, But the good news is a lot of full practices, a lot of limited practices of, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 names on the list. 10 were either full or limited practices as of Thursday, and that's usually a good sign. Yeah, I think when you see that, when teams list a lot of like injuries in general, even though they've been practicing with them, this is just something to monitor during the game. Like Akeem Adeniji exited the week 18 game against the Browns because of that knee injury. And that's something that or ankle injury, excuse me. And that's something that he's been dealing with for a few weeks. It's just something that if these things come up during the game, this is just something that we can reference uh, from, from the, from the week prior. So, but like you said, only two guys questionable, Jalen Davis with an ankle and Stanley Morgan Jr. with yeah. a hamstring. Josh Tupo is listed as doubtful, but he might as well be declared out after not practicing and already being listed week to week with that knee injury. And, and Anthony, that could mean our buddy Mike Daniels makes his playoff debut for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. And by the way, I got to correct myself. It's still early on the West Coast here a little bit. I had a little bit of a brain burp. Um, there's actually 13 names on here and only one did not practice as of Thursday. I was looking at the Tuesday report. Three did not practice on Tuesday. One, uh, basically one person did not practice the entire week. That is Josh Tupo. So as of Thursday, 12 of 13 players actually were limited or full practice. And Josh Tupo was uh, the only one who did not. So like you said, he's probably going to be out, unfortunately, a quiet a quietly effective rotational piece on that defensive line. So he will be missed. It might be Mike Daniels time. Might it be Tyler Shelvin time? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. He, he got some play towards the end of the year here. I don't, I, I think you'd probably go Mike Daniels over, over Shelvin. If that, uh, if that question arises, right. If week 18 was any indication about who was ready, it was definitely Daniels. Yeah. Tyler, yeah. Tyler Shelvin did not play well at all. And that's just not right. even relative to Mike Daniels. That was just looking at Shelvin individually. At this point, like it's on to 2022 for Tyler Shelvin. Just yeah. get in shape, be ready to be more of a consistent contributor because Josh Tupo might not even be on the team. But if they need someone to take those snaps, it's got to be Mike Daniels because he's been keeping his body ready for the entirety of the season on the practice squad. And he's he's ready for this moment. He, he is. And yeah, I mean, like you said, we have um, we've been watching him on social media, doing all these workouts, practice squad all year. Tough pill to swallow for a veteran, a guy who made a Pro Bowl in his career and was a, a team leader last year, really answered the bell last week in a game where the Bengals were sitting a lot of guys. So he came up. But anyway, that's uh, the injury report and an early question from Scott Knight in terms of uh, what what the status of T Higgins is. Do you see uh, a question that you want to get to John? Uh, yeah, we had one from Chad Hellier from Facebook and he's asking, do you see the Bengals going with two tight end sets, majority of the snaps to help with the pass rushers? And this isn't something that we really 
uh, addressed during the, the weekly show. But it's, I think it's an interesting topic regarding how you handle Max Crosby and Yannick and Gagwe in pass protection. That was obviously a trouble, a problem that, that they ran into back in week 11. And you just have to look back a week ago with, with how the, the Chargers basically got manhandled by Max Crosby when they left poor Storm Norton out there in one-on-one pass protection. But I think helping out with the tight ends is the way to go here. There was an instance where you had a running back chip, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, back in week 11. And that was a strip sack from Ngakwe because he was able to get inside lane over Jonah Williams. That's the problem with some of those delayed chips. And that's exactly what Joe Goodberry said that Willie Anderson does not like. I think... With how they handled TJ Watt here the week after that Raiders game is the way to go because they had Uzama, Andrew Sample kind of stay in next to the line of scrimmage for just a half second before releasing out with their routes. And that not only creates a wider path for the edge rusher to go around before engaging the tackle, but you can also engage with him, chip him, get him off of his rhythm. When I say him, I mean Max Crosby in the sense there's going to be times when Max Crosby is one-on-one with Isaiah Prince because they want to go empty at, at some point. But in some of those obvious situations, yeah, I think they're better off attaching those tight ends at the end of the formations to kind of slow down the rhythm of either Crosby or, or Ngakwe instead of those, those split-back shotgun looks that you see against the Steelers and Ravens because those are mainly to um, protect against some blitz packages. And the Raiders, they very rarely blitz in their defense. This is the big question of the week, right? What are you going to do to negate those two really good edge rushers. You know, Ngakwe has double-digit sacks. Uh, Crosby has eight, but I think he leads the league in pressures in the NFL. So, I mean, just a really, really effective duo. I would encourage some of you guys, to, or all of you, to go back and listen to my interview with with Dennis Ackerman because I asked this question about, you know, should the Bengals think about running Joe Mixon? What, what, what are the options for the Bengals to potentially negate the Max Crosby effect, the Yannick Ngakwe effect? And Ackerman said... You know, basically, you may want to occasionally at least run right at him, uh, run with Mixon right at him. And that I, I know we want to have Burrow be Burrow, especially with the last month of play that he's been absolutely outstanding. Uh, Mixon's had a great track record against the Raiders, so probably a little bit of both. And the other thing, John, that no one's really kind of talking about, are we going to see the tackle eligible, right? Are we going to see the jump, the big jumbo package, extra offensive lineman in there? Uh, on on run plays, maybe play action plays as well um, to to kind of throw things off there. I don't, you know, well, they they were running that earlier when they were going a little more conservative in their offense. I don't I don't know that they'll do that again, but that might be occasionally part of the offensive plan. Yeah, I think when they run the ball in, in certain obvious situations, that's something that they've been doing all year. The personnel has just changed because they used to have Isaiah Prince out there, but now he's starting some that. Role is probably going to go to Fred Johnson and or Jackson mm-hmm. Carmen, who have both done well in those situations. But any time that you're keeping extra blockers in to, to pass protect on the edge, it does, in a sense, limit how explosive you can be down the field. And that was a problem against the Raiders. There were, there were times when they were max protecting and they couldn't really get down the field with Higgins and Chase. And they have to be more creative with those two guys and having Higgins completely healthy and emerging as this dynamic receiver. I think that will also make a difference. And also using Chase more in the slot against uh, the, the Raiders cover three, where they have a lot yeah. of linebackers that match up in man-to-man coverage. I think that can help get the ball out quicker and allow Joe Burrow to not take as many hits this time. Yeah, great point. Well, it wouldn't be a playoff edition of Listener Questions Live without our buddy Terrell calling in, and we've got him on the line. Terrell, what's going on, buddy? How are you? How are you guys doing? We're, we're, we're doing good, man. We're excited, maybe a little nervous, but we're excited. And uh, 
We're we're hoping that the Bengals finally get off the the schneid here after three decades. How are you? I hope so, man. That's what everybody's doing. But I really want to just get uh, let y'all know that uh want to shout out them and um Ace, man. Yeah, congratulations on everything. And um another thing, man, John, man, you got a lot lot of jobs too, and I, I appreciate you and and Anthony, man. I just want to let you know, man. I don't kind of got to deal with Marvin Lewis leftovers and all that stuff. You cuffed it out of them long bad games and, and stuff with it. <laughs> Well, yeah, it hasn't always been easy, but I I think we appreciate that. <laughs> but, but we here though, but uh, but real quick though, I really want to say that man, we gotta win this game though. You already know. Um, but besides the good and the glamour, I really want to go back to that week eighteen and get a couple of shout outs to a couple of those players, man, because Clay uh, Clay Johnson, man, Spence, um, Trayvon Williams. Superman, I mean, uh, you know, Captain America, Chris Evans, they all did their thing. And then they started in there, and they ain't really do nothing. But the real big thing I was going to say to y'all is, I've been knowing y'all for years, man. Y'all know Colin Hill is back there. You're cutting out a little bit, Terrell. Sorry about that. Uh, AJ Karen. Well, you know we would have won that game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Going back to 2015, yeah. Um, I'm just saying, we, need, we know we need a quarterback. We know. Yeah. Hey, you're cutting out a little bit. Uh, we appreciate you calling, though, and have a good time this weekend. Hopefully, we'll no we'll talk. Uh, yeah, we're going to get this game. Great show. Love y'all. All right, man. We appreciate you. Thanks, Terrell. Um Cutting out a little bit there, but we caught we caught most of it. Uh, we got the gist. Always, we got the gist. Yeah, always great hearing from him. Look, very simple statement, seemingly very obvious, but he he made a very poignant comment. Just we have to win this game, meaning the Bengals have to win this game. Uh, you know, it, it seems so. Like I said, such a s- simplistic statement, but there's actually a lot to it uh, to me because this is to me. I don't want to. I don't want to be over exaggeratory or hyperbolic here or whatever, but I, I I really feel that winning this game is a turning point for this franchise because that streak of the five straight, when, when that, when this roster was loaded from, especially from 2013 to 2015 and the Bengals still could not get, they had the home game against the chargers. They couldn't get, get that one. Um, they had a chance to beat a Steelers team, even with a backup quarterback, they didn't do it. Um, you know, I, I kind of you're you're you were talking earlier about this. I've kind of been thinking about how that team. I I feel like first year 2011, they didn't expect to make it. Not a lot of people expected them to make it. They lost. They go, okay, hey, we'll be back now next year. We're actually pretty good. Then as they kept losing, it almost became. I think it came became a large mental block for this team that you just you you almost oh here we go again. We're in prime time. We're playing the Steelers. We're playing the Texans. We're playing. And it's just here, you know. Here we go again. Here we go again. Here we go again. This team right now has not had that experience. This team has a lot of leaders that have played in big games, won big games, but haven't had the Bengals' misfortunes in primetime games and in and in playoff games. And I think not only is it just getting that playoff win after three decades it is going to be huge for the trajectory of the franchise, but also John just getting getting on that streak, even if they lose the following week um, and, and, you know, we're looking to next year or whatever. I, I just feel like 
mentally, emotionally winning this game is going to go a long way long-term for this team. Maybe short-term too, but long-term for this team. Progress is progress. If they win one this year, it, it, it's more than they've done in the past 31 years. And I know that we've like 31 years is the length of the drought, but they didn't make the playoffs for 15, the first 15 mm-hmm. of those 31 years. So this has really been 0 for 7 in the last decade and a half. And like you said, that that third playoff game in 2011, it's, it's kind of like how the Raiders are this year. Not a lot of people expected them to be in the situation. They're kind of playing with house money, if you will. And they just kind of got overwhelmed by the Texans. And I, I think you I think you're onto something like the more that they kept losing back to back to back, the more they kind of weighed on them. And now you're at a situation where only three players from that 2015 team are on this team right now, or maybe maybe a little bit more than that. But I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if like this roster feels like there's that amount of pressure because it's just completely new and not only with the roster, but with the coaching staff as well. And I think a lot of it in terms of just feeling more confident or not feeling that that dread entering this, it, it has to do with the quarterback. And we had a question from Jeremy Logsdon on Facebook. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's asking, this is our year. I feel it in my gut. I believe in Burrow. And honestly, I don't think anyone is going to take this from him. And I think at the end of the day, like we talk about the importance of having a good quarterback and winning significant games and going deep in, in the postseason and whatnot and that's what the Bengals have like it, it's not the expectation to just go one and done okay win a playoff game get this monkey off your back and whatever happens happens no the Bengals have a top five quarterback right now playing with a very solid roster and a coaching staff that, is, that has finally learned how to maximize their talent like the window is right now because Burrow is playing at this level right now and it's more than just one playoff game I, I don't think they're just thinking about like about it like that the fans certainly are but one playoff game with, with this type of quarterback with this type of team it is like the the baseline of expectations and that's what's that's what's meaningful to me it's not just oh we got to win one it's no we're, we're gonna win one and then we're gonna win the next yeah yeah support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Uh, we've got another call on the line from our, our friend Jason Von Stein in Tennessee. Jason, what's going on, bud? Who day? How about that, guys? <laughs> Who day? That's right. This might be your best hat. This might be your best hat choice. I like the, uh, it looks kind of like a ransom hat that's going on with John there. That's a little, it's fun. Hey, legitimate question. Should the NFL award best cat mascot for the year? Because that's us. <laughs> well, I, I'm trying to think. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know that there's another cat. John, is there another you cat? You got a panther, you got a jaguar, team? you got a lion. Yeah, jaguar, lion, pan, panther. Wait, I'm trying to think what else here. Is that you, it? you have a jaguar and you have a lion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's four cat teams, I believe, in the NFL. Meow Mix, like, cat of the year. Award. Yeah, there you go. In the yeah, NFL honors. The Meow, meow, meow Mix sponsored uh, <laughs> cat cat of the year. Award. Well, I mean, uh, based on those teams, you would you would think the Bengals would win that. And, hey, I'm partial to the logo. I'm partial to the Tiger Head logo myself, um, the Leaping Tiger. The B is okay, I guess. But uh, to me, that's down the totem pole in terms of logos. But if you're... If you're comparing the logos for me, the the tiger fit, but I'm biased. You know me, Jason. What what else is on your mind, my friend? Uh, I'm just excited to finally be talking about a playoff game with you guys. <laughs> yeah. This is so cool. We're not talking about the draft at all. It's been a long time coming. I think we're actually going to win this one. We don't have to play the Texans. So thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. Yeah. Positive vibes. That's right. I don't really have anything else. Just keep up the good work, guys. Hey. I hope next week I'm hearing uh, about how we're going somewhere to win another game. I so. appreciate it, man. Well, yeah, we're we're gonna keep this rolling. If they if they advance, when they advance, when they advance, we will uh, we'll be doing more of these and talking with you. But good good hearing from you, Jason. Um, John, uh, you know, I the 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 thing about this matchup. And I talked about this with Dennis Ackerman as well. And we're, we, I don't know that we talked about it much. Um, well, maybe a little bit with Joe, but essentially the, what, the, the hand that Las Vegas has been dealt to use a pun that they played the last game of week 18, the night game played almost five quarters of football. Then they travel on a short week across the country, you know, three hour time difference there. Um, you know, I mean, there's teams of destiny. Sometimes this thing affects teams, the time change, all that stuff. Sometimes it affects them. Sometimes it doesn't. But I, I have to believe that that plays a factor into this whole thing this weekend. There are many advantages that the Bengals have. And I don't know if a lot of the Bengals fans want to admit that to get their hopes up. But it's true. Like going from the very last game of the season, finishing at 1 a.m. Eastern time, the implications of that mean that on Tuesday and Wednesday, the Raiders didn't practice. They just had walkthroughs. They didn't want to do any work. They only, I think, practiced on Thursday, and then they, they got they had to get on a flight today to play the first game. Like that, that's that's a quick turnaround. However, you want to say it, and, and not only that, I think Paul Daner Jr. brought this up on the Athletics podcast. The Bengals taking Week 18 off. It was basically their bye week, and I know that you know you don't want to ever like lose coming off of those winning streaks, but it was a lot of rest after an emotional two-week period where they beat the Ravens and then they beat the Chiefs to win the AFC North. The Raiders were on this four-game stretch where they won all of them in in very close fashion, and it came down to the very final second to actually clinch that playoff berth amidst everything 
that happened for them this season. Gruden, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, among other things as well. It, it seemed like it was all coming to that moment. And at this point now, it's like they, they didn't they, they never even got a minute to digress and to like compartmentalize any of that emotional energy. And now they're in the playoffs now. And now they have to go out and compete against a team that is completely recharged and basically completely healthy from what what their starting lineup was back in week one like they have the same 11 starters on defense and the only difference on offense is they have a new right guard and right tackle but those guys have been playing with the starting lineups for for weeks now the the Bengals have all the advantages here in terms of preparation for this game unfortunately (laughs) and I didn't know this until I believe Monday but someone mentioned that the San Diego Chargers back in 2013 also won on overtime on the last week of the season and then played the Bengals, of course, in wildcard weekend in Cincinnati, traveling from West Coast to East Coast, and then took care of business there. But the difference, again, the leadership of this team, the leadership at quarterback, the mindset of this team in general, and how all of those past demons don't really apply to this now. So we've seen it happen. We've seen teams in disadvantageous situations like those San Diego Chargers kind of roll with it and come out on top. But th- there there are no shortages of advantages for the Bengals this weekend. So you, you were referencing the 2013 Chargers playoff game and that whole scenario, correct? Okay. So yes. uh, here's, here's something that I, I want to remind people about as well on that one as compared to this situation. A little bit similar, but it's a lot of similarities actually. Bengals yeah. that year in 2013, good team. They go to San Diego. They win, win ugly, and they come back and they host an AFC West team that they played just a little while earlier back at their on their home turf. Same thing here. Bengals really ran away with it, but as we talked about on Wednesday, for three and a half plus quarters, this was a really close game, right, uh, the first time around. So here's the deal, though. If you remember, John, there were, I believe it was Melvin Ingram, in that 2013 game, he said that the Bengals did absolutely nothing on offense that was anything different than what they saw a month prior. And so they were prepared for that. And a lot of people were very, very concerned about that in terms of Jay Gruden, in terms of Marvin Lewis and all of that, uh, based on the fact that they made zero adjustments. Now, this is a team that has shown that they, this this year that they can make adjustments from quarter to quarter, half to half. And uh, their quarterback has shown that he can make adjustments and they've shown to be really streaky at times. Also, we're not sure if the Bengals are going to do a completely different game plan than the one they ran in Las Vegas two months ago, right? We're talking, are they going to run Mixon again a lot? Because it was effective, but it was methodical and that game was close. Are they going to do a little bit more of what they've done the past month and really rely on Burrow and wing it around the field, especially since he's been taking really great care of the football for the most part? We tend to think that that's probably going to be more of the case. If that's the case, the latter situation, if that's the case, then that's a completely different game plan than the one two months ago that the Raiders saw from the Bengals. And that is a completely different storyline than the one that emerged from the 2013 slash 2014 playoffs between the Chargers and the Bengals. In that 2013 Chargers team, it became a common opponent for the Cincinnati Bengals and Andy yeah. Dalton at the time. And if and if anyone here remembers, that was the terminology that Joe Goodberry coined uh, during the Andy Dalton era. 
And shout out to Tracy McBrady on Twitter, who is a friend of the show and a friend of the Bengals community. He ended up looking up Joe Burrow's common and uncommon opponent stats and splits and whatnot. And to no one's surprise, it's nothing like Andy Dalton. He actually does better yep. against common opponents. And that, I mean, that that's indicative of what we've seen just in it, the AFC North matchups. Like you look at the first times that Burrow played the Ravens and Steelers and it was ugly games and there was a lot of un, unpre- unpreparation, lack of pre- preparedness in those games. And then obviously mm-hmm. he came back this year and swept both of those teams. His yards per attempt is much higher. His adjusted yards per attempt is much higher. His interception percentage is actually a little bit higher as well, but just I think the lack of volume kind of attributes to that. He takes less sacks. He completes more passes uh, on average. His Again, his efficiency is just better because Joe Burrow knows what doesn't work the first time and he rarely makes the same mistakes twice. Yeah. So now you're looking at a situation where even though the Raiders did have success against Burrow in this offense, he's the type of guy that knows what to do differently the next time. And obviously the offense in general has just improved since then. So it's just mm-hmm. a, a combination of both of them that should net out to a much more explosive day. Well, uh, we're going to get to a few more again. want to remind folks, you can call or text 949-542-6241. We've got a couple calls already. That's pretty cool. Uh, the obinsider at gmail.com is the email address. We've got a number of live chats, be it Cincy Jungle Facebook, uh, the, the page there, our YouTube channel, the Twitter accounts across the board. You can leave questions there. We've got a live comment section on cincyjungle.com as well we've got quite a few viewers so some of you are either on your lunch break you're taking the day off you're getting prepared maybe you're slacking at work because of this i don't know i'm not going to call anybody out on that but that's okay we're happy to have you with us live and of course after the fact john i think it is your turn but i'm gonna steal one if you don't mind this goes back trevor trevor peters on facebook have you guys seen other games where teams have chipped crosby compared to teams that haven't now admittedly i have not gone back and watched you know, games of Max Crosby, um, uh, you know, and, and what chipped and did not chip, et cetera. However, I did pull this up here and we're kind of going on the fly a little bit with this, but this is from pro football reference. And I think this at a minimum gives us a little bit of a, a reference point in terms of games we can look at or, uh, and this is his, this is his, um, performance. Now, one thing that sticks out to me You've got a lot of streakiness for the eight sacks. He had two in the opener against Baltimore. This is this is what's surprising to me. Two in the opener against Baltimore, good team. Denver, decent team this year. Three there. He had one against Denver. He had four, half of his sacks came against Denver. Uh, and then two here um, against the Chargers. Now, here's what's interesting to me. The Chicago's offensive line is a mess, John. He had 52 defensive snaps in that one in week five just blanked across the board in terms of tackles for loss, quarterback hits, tackles, sacks across the board. So that would be a game we'd probably need to go look at and see what he did there. Um, there's some, some when you look at quarterback hits, some minimal, uh, minimal issues against Philly, uh, minimal impact against the Giants. So it's kind of like these teams where you go to the Bears and the Giants. Um, so I would be interested to go back and look at that Dallas, you know, pretty quiet in that one in terms of uh, quarterback hits, et cetera. I mean, there's there's other others, though. Denver, he had what, what is that? Six total quarterback hits and four sacks in those two games, four quarterback hits and two sacks alone in the overtime game against the Chargers to end the season um, was all over the place against Baltimore as well. But uh, you know, we, those are the games we'd probably need to go back and look at. And, and uh, you know, I don't have that film readily available, but I think we can kind of say 
there's some successes by those respective teams here. And also, I wanted to point out that there is a bit of a streaky nature to Max Crosby, although some of that streakiness came at the end of the year. Max Crosby's season is so fascinating to me because if you look at the PFF numbers, he's had four games where he's had at least 11 pressures, including 13 against the Ravens in week one, 13 against the Chiefs in week 10, and he had 12 pressures in that game against the Broncos when he had multiple sacks, and then he had 11 to close the season against the Chargers. He has a pass rushing grade of 91.8. The guy it's is silly. elite. It's, it's like, yeah. even though like the sacks don't always come all at Trey Hendrickson on a, on a week-to-week consistent basis, he still beats offensive linemen, beats right tackles like mm-hmm. there's no tomorrow. And that that's something that can affect offenses, even if he's not ending up at the quarterback. And I think it's interesting. His, his pressure to quarterback hit ratio is a little bit low. He's only got 19 hits compared yeah. to 101 pressures. And I think that's just a case of the ball getting out a little bit quicker than uh, when he's beating the tackle. And that happened against the Bengals oftentimes, too. There were plenty of times when... Crosby beat Riley Reef into submission and the ball just happened to get out or there was a penalty or something like that. So not all the times do pass rushing wins re- result in hits and sacks, but like the, the, there is no looking at a, tradi- a traditional box score and thinking, oh, you know, Crosby, he, he's very hit or miss and, you know, he may not be as consistent as some of the other guys. No, he beats guys consistently right. like Miles Garrett and TJ Watt and any other elite pass rusher that you can think of. Yeah, I, pressure rates is is the key with him for sure, and 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 overall pressures. We talked about him being, you know, league leader, and obviously this this sheet here from Pro Football Reference doesn't account for pressures. I was I wasn't even really looking so much at the sack numbers, quite honestly. I was more looking at the quarterback hit numbers, et cetera. And I think that's an interesting disparity that you pointed out in terms of quarterback hits to pressures. The pressure rate's the big deal because we know pressures are basically almost as effective as a, as a sack because they can force a poor play. They can, you know, force bad decisions, all that kind of stuff, force a bad throw, um, allow another player to make an impactful play. We know, we know all the the variables with that. Obviously sacks are, you know, the, the true measurable type of things because, you know, you, you, there's net yards lost, all that kind of stuff, but the, but the pressures, you know, that can result in holds. We know all that. Uh, but I wanted to point that out that there were a couple of games here where there obviously were some quieter performances from Crosby and some really explosive ones, like you mentioned, particularly in the pressure pressure department, which is what the Bengals need to look out for. But good question from Trevor there going forward. What do you got for us, John? So speaking of the offensive line and handling Crosby, we had a question from Perfectionist on the Cincy Jungle common thread, and he's asking us if they would have told you the Bengals starting lineup by season's end was Jonah Williams, Jackson Carmen, Trey Hopkins, Akeem Adenogy, and Isaiah Prince, and that was your only information to go on, what would the Bengals' record be at this point in time? And piggybacking off that, how much do you think this unit will grow in the next season if left undressed again? So I mean, he said Jackson Carmen, but he probably meant Quinn Spain, but he brings up a good point, man. Like this offensive line, it featured... No new additions at, 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 the, at the end at the end of the season because Riley Reef is hurt. Like the only addition was Riley Reef and Jackson Carmen, and neither one are going to start in this game. And here they are in the playoffs. Like I think that's something worth mentioning in terms of just looking back at what we thought this offense line needed to be uh, this time last year. I would feel a whole hell of a lot better if Riley Reef was playing in this game. And I don't mean to knock Isaiah Prince. I just that veteran steadiness and just. 
you know, he, he wasn't outstanding this year by any means, but he was, he really steadied that right tackle position over the, his predecessor who shall uh, remain uh, nameless here. But, um, you know, I, I, I just, I wish, I really, really wish reef was playing, but in truth, the Bengals are winning games without him. They have been winning games this last month without him. They've been finding a way because he is not, he has not been playing. So, you know, they've been finding ways to, to get creative and, and work around his, his absence. But yeah, I mean, I think if you were to say Jonah Williams, Quentin Spain, Trey Hopkins, Hakeem Adeniji, really the right side of the offensive line at that point, if you were to get that, I wouldn't chalk up a ton of wins to the Bengals at that point, seeing that offensive line, but they've been able to, to mask a lot of deficiencies in, in, in a lot of different ways. And again, we mentioned this a couple, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, whatever, um, there's still some issues. There are some penalties and all that kind of stuff, particularly from the young guys. But John, overall, the offensive line is not creating or not having a bunch of those drive killing penalties that we saw under Jim Turner. They're not doing a ton of holds. They're not doing all that. And even some of the holds that we've seen call, I can remember the one against Denver that was supposedly a big play to chase. It was a phantom hold against Quentin Spain. Um, Some of them are kind of ticky tack calls. And so, I, that is kind of one of the biggest areas of improvement that I don't think a lot of people are talking about is just really those lack of drive killing penalties. Yeah. I remember writing about this in the beginning of the offseason when Frank Pollock was hired and I said, okay, having Frank Pollock there, it'll improve everyone that they currently have, but they can't stop there. They still need to add new talents. So they don't have to rely on just some of these guys developing into their maximum potential. But I think these guys developing into their maximum potential has happened this season. And that's why they've been able to survive not having Riley reef out there for a lot of the season and having honestly an inconsistent and injured Riley reef. And he hasn't really been that much better compared to Isaiah Prince in, in some of these games. And that was definitely evident towards the end of the season when that ankle was definitely bothering him and Jackson Carmen not playing at all. The fact that they're getting similar play out of, of Akeem Adenogy, and I know identity hasn't really been that impressive, but I think these guys are playing about as well as they can. And that is 100% attributed to Paula coming in and, and teaching new technique and getting on these guys and getting the most out of them. And it's not that much. And to answer the question, I, I wouldn't say more than seven or eight wins. And that was right around where my preseason prediction was with this team in general, because at the end of the day, they didn't do that much to improve the offensive line and any of their additions and improvement again, it's not going to be on the field on Sunday. So they, they've gotten the most that they possibly could out of this group. And somehow the, the offense has managed to stay explosive and effective uh, with them. And I think that's because, like you said, there's not a lot of drive killing, <clears throat> excuse me, not a lot of drive killing penalties that we've seen. I think that's a testament to Pollock's teachings. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Happy birthday. Kyle Gentry on Facebook says today's my birthday. My only wish is for a dub tomorrow. So happy birthday, Kyle. Hopefully they, Grant your wish, my friend. Happy birthday, what else Kyle. are we seeing here? What's that? I said happy birthday, Kyle. Oh, yeah. Uh, what else are we seeing here, John? We had another question from the comment section on Cincy Jungle from Hude Richie. He's asking, okay. what do you like better controlling the clock with? Mixon or Burrow doing LSU things in empty shotgun sets? So is Burrow doing... Uh, I mean, if you're talking controlling the clock, Burrow doing LSU things uh, out of empty sets, that's, you know, sometimes that's a lot of the big explosive plays. So that's not really controlling the clock a lot of times. 
um, unless you're talking kind of the the just death by thousand paper cuts, a lot of different yeah. throws and stuff. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, I, I'm a, I I love both. I love either, and I would love to get see Joe Burrow get his national run and just say, wow, how effective. But something about just pounding your opponent into submission with the run game. I know it's old school. I know it's passe, but um, this is, this is what you paid Joe Mixon for a, a contract that not a lot of people um, liked at the time. And he has responded with a career year this year. But uh, if, if I had my choice being able to control the game that way and really just kind of, I, I think at that point you kind of break the will a little bit of, of the Raiders, but quite honestly, if I it, give me a little bit of both, Give me a little bit of both, but uh, I I think I would slightly slightly prefer the mix in the mix in domination if that's if that's how this is going to play out. Yeah, and I, I think the base of this offense is still going on to empty and spreading out with eleven personnel mm-hmm. and utilizing a lot of those concepts that they've tried earlier in the year and it didn't really work out because they couldn't rely on their protection. But I think there's more faith in Burrow extending plays and getting the ball out quicker and having more trust in his knee and itself to execute those concepts and i think that's what we're going to see early in the game i think they're still going to try to spread out the ravens defense wide and like joe said they're going to uh ride joe's uh joe burrow's arm until it falls off that was his quote Mm -hmm. um but against this raiders defense i think tyler boyd had a really good game against the raiders that's because their, their defense doesn't really change they have a lot of linebackers and safeties lined up in the slide, and that's where Boyd got a lot of his production. I think you could see that with Boyd and Chase th- this time because, again, I think Chase is going to play more in the slot, and I think that bodes well for a lot of their quick passing concepts. Uh, me and Jake Lisko were talking about this yesterday. They, they love slant flats against these types of, of coverages where you just have a slant from the outside receiver and either the slot runs a drag route to, to the outside or you have a tight end out there, and that really – it can it can slice up and dice up a defense that likes to play off coverage and doesn't like to be too aggressive. They're not going to have a lot of chances where they're going to have hot reads against the blitz because the Raiders don't really blitz that much. But I think that's going to be the game plan early on to set up some of the, the more explosive plays down the field. And they're going to try to attack the seams more because that's what you have to do against a single high defense. And then in the second half, assuming they have game control at this point, that's Joe Mixon's time. I, I feel yeah. like they don't really yeah. have to press down on the throat like they did against the Ravens and the Chiefs because the margin of error is so much higher in the playoffs. But if they're at that point where they have a score two score lead and they have the Raiders defense backing up a little bit, I think then you have Joe Mixon being really hard to tackle in the third and fourth quarter against a defense that doesn't normally play in the cold and the defense that's honestly pretty inconsistent with their defensive line against the run. So I think that is how you can control the clock against this defense. That's a that's a fantastic point, yeah, and that plays right into my preference of a little bit of both. Give me a little bit of both. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alex, uh, uh, Ar- Arduini, I-, I think I'm saying that right. Hude from Italy, my Italian 
uh, my Italian buddy there. Um, tomorrow, there the we go. Of Cincinnati Bengals Italia is with Burrow and company. Come on. Now, look, there is a question in here. I'm sure tomorrow the dual Prince versus Crosby could be the key of the match. What do you think? Of course, using the term match, that is very a European, uh, European phrase there. Look, um, I- I'm going to I'm going to tweak that question a little bit, Alex, because we've talked so much about Prince and Crosby. Who else do you do you see in terms of maybe an individual matchup or just kind of a positional matchup, John? Who else do you think is just so key in this one this week? So much attention is with Max Crosby that no one really talks about Yannick Ngakwe. And he's right next to Max Crosby in pressures. And again, he had success against Jonah Williams. And Jonah Williams, I remember, I, I went back to our podcast after the Raiders game. And that was when we had Tim McGee on for 40 glorious minutes and gave us another yeah. masterclass guest appearance. And he kind of kind of took Jonah Williams to, to the... And I'm yeah. not the idiom off the top of my head, but he was not uh, holding back on some criticism for Williams. And he was coming off a not so good game against Yannick. A lot of attention was, was with Isaiah Prince handling Max Crosby, but we know that Prince is going to get some help here. It might be Jonah Williams on an island more often against Yannick. And obviously, I think they can count on Williams to handle for the most part, but Yannick is no slouch when it comes to rushing the passer. And that's something that it's Joe Burrow's blindside. It's something that they have to account for. Yeah, he was. Um... Less than complimentary about Jonah Williams was Tim McGee when we had him on the show. Look, uh, I, I'm of course that's another one I'm looking at. Of course, Prince versus Crosby. Um, I, I'm really interested. I mean, yeah, there's some defensive line matchups that I like as well in this one for the Bengals, but I'm I'm going to go in the interior of the offensive line because I'm really curious to see how this struggling uh, Quentin Spain's been pretty good this year. Um, Trey Hopkins started off really, really not great, uh, has improved a little bit. Um, and then the right guard's just been, you know, a turnstile of different players in and out of that lineup. So with those three players, you've got this week, Darius Phylon out for the year, knee injury, interior defensive lineman. You look at the Raiders injury report again. We didn't really look at We didn't uh, sh- share this, but Jonathan Hankins, back and knee issue, defensive tackle, questionable. Did not practice Tuesday and Wednesday, limited practice Thursday. You go down the pecking order, Quentin Jefferson, another defensive uh, defensive lineman. Foot issue, limited practice Thursday, probably going to play, but there is a foot issue there. And Kendall Vickers, another interior defensive lineman, a back issue. Same deal with Quentin Jefferson. So those two look to play. Don't know about Hankins. And, of course, Darius Phylon, who had played well is out for this one, as I mentioned earlier. So those are matchups in respectively across the board there that I'm going to be looking at because that interior of the defensive line might be a little vulnerable to some, you know, to, to allow this interior of the offensive line for the Bengals to actually have a decent game. And I think the conversation with uh, running the ball against the Raiders defense and the fact that Phylon is not there, like we, we talk a lot about the, the defensive line when it comes to defending the run but it's, it's more than that with the Raiders just in the last month they've been really good at stopping the run but it hasn't really been their defensive line getting a lot of the production it's the linebackers it's the cornerbacks and it's the safeties they are really aggressive coming down the hill to stop the run and Denzel Perryman specifically I think he's second in the league in run stop percentage and he had a couple moments against the Bengals where either Trey Hopkins or Adenogy couldn't get out into the second level in time to cut him off and that ended up being part of the reason why Joe Mixon took a long time to get going. So yeah, they're, they're weak at defensive line, but I think they're still pretty healthy at the other levels of their defense and they love to get downhill. 
Yeah. Uh, we'll be here a couple more minutes and then we are going to bounce out of here. John, you seeing any others that you would like to get to before we start uh, closing up shop here? We had a question from Diehard Barton. He's asking, is there a path that we may see the Steelers in the AFC Championship oh, game? Man. If so, could this be a rehash of Ray Lewis when he, re- oh, <laughs> when he retired on the way out the door? Honestly, I, I, I want to pose this to anyone else in the live chat. If, say the Bengals win on Saturday. You have the Bills and the Patriots playing the 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 right after that game. And I think yep. if the Patriots win, then the Bengals potentially get a home game against the Patriots. I think only if the Steelers beat the Chiefs. Do Bengals fans want the Steelers to beat the Chiefs just so they don't have to go into Arrowhead in the, in that situation? Or just the for the fact of just getting a team that the Bengals could lose to out of the playoffs or is rooting for the Steelers in that situation just too unbearable to even contemplate is so if the Patriots beat the bills, do the, is it, I think the next one, then the Bengals would, would then go to, is it, would they go to Tennessee or would they then host the Patriots the following week? I'm trying to think here. T- Titan, Titans are one Bengals are four right. Patriots are six Steelers are seven. So the Bengals would play the Patriots and then the Steelers would play the Titans. I want to say if the Steelers won. Yeah. And yes. I think a lot of people are saying, you know, they're accounting. I, I think if obviously the Steelers do not win and the Bengals do win, then I think the Bengals then go to Tennessee. I think that's the, that's the route that would, that would probably yes. occur then. So um, yeah, that is, that's just a, a, conundrum wrapped inside a conundrum and if you really want this to be a special season and you get you the Bengals get to the Super Bowl um beating the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC championship game at Paul Brown Stadium would be that it'd be hard pressed to find a more special season than that despite what would have happened in the Super Bowl at that point I mean that's uh that is a a hell of a road to a Super Bowl for sure and and I think someone's uh, Jeremy said, Jeremy Logston said, I don't think uh, or I think we have the Steelers number, so I'm not worried about it. And honestly, I think it would do us a favor. That's true. I feel like the Bengals don't really have anything to fear with the Steelers, even though the history of the rivalry still exists. I'm just saying, I don't know if the Bengals have beaten the Steelers three times in a single season in the history of their existence. And I think just beating a team three times any team, regardless of how good or bad they are, mm-hmm. I think that's difficult to do. So that's just something to think about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely echo those sentiments. Um, let's see. Any others that you are seeing here, John, before we get on out of here? Um, Doing it one oh. last scan here. Go ahead. Keith Lakes is asking, how much do you think the weather will matter? I think... You know, was that earlier? Yeah, it was from a few minutes ago. Um, okay. For anyone who listens to Pat McAfee on on his show, he loves to make a case about how the Bengals don't have a practice practice mm-hmm. facility. And I understand why he makes that case because he's doing it to promote that issue so that there's public pressure for the Bengals to eventually get one. It, it's it's his way, I think, of trying to get that message out there so that the players themselves don't have to really make those complaints. I think Willie Anderson also said this, that like no free agent has ever not chosen Cincinnati because of a lack of practice practice facility. But looking back, retired players can say like, yeah, they should probably have something like that. In this scenario, in this week, I think Zach Taylor handled it perfectly and really explained the reasoning behind having a practice facility in the first place. If it had rained or snowed in Cincinnati, Zach Taylor would have 
hopped on a bus and practiced inside of UC's bubble because the importance of having an in- indoor facility is not to practice out of the cold. It's to practice out of conditions where you can't have a clean practice. There was no weather in Cincinnati this week that prevented them from getting the work done. It was just cold and they have to be ready for the cold when they play in, in 20 degree weather on Saturday. But if it was snowing and raining and terrible conditions where they can't have a clean practice, that would be when you would, would need to practice uh, facility. So I think the weather will matter because the Bengals have been practicing it for all week now. And the Raiders are coming from a, a desert when they play in, indoors and they're playing in 20 degree weather where Derek Carr has never really played well at all. So, yeah, I think they handled it really well this week. And I think it will matter. I do. Th- I think it'll matter as well. And I think it does favor the Bengals just because it's home turf. They're a little more used to that. They played in um, I think it was pretty cold in that Kansas City game. Right. Um, so, yep. you know, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, they're used to it. And you can talk about the inexperience. This isn't really so much weather related, what I'm going to say here. But you can talk about a lot of folks are saying, you know, Burrow hasn't been to the playoffs before. And a lot of these Bengal players are so young. They've never been to the playoffs before. Are they just not experienced enough? Well, look on the Raiders sideline. Derek Carr, this, this is the first playoff game he's playing in. They made it to the playoffs a few years ago. And he didn't get to play because he was injured. Um, there Cook. are a lot of, what's that? Connor Cook playing in that game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God, that's a blast from the past name. Um, so, I mean, you, we can talk about the experience factor or lack thereof, and some people are saying, you know, that might be a knock on the Bengals despite them having a home game and despite the weather maybe playing in their favor, et cetera, et cetera. But there's not a lot of postseason experience on the other side of the field. I mean, I, I'd have to go look at the roster from top to bottom, but some of their important players, you're talking about an interim coach. Um so, I mean, there's there's not a lot of experience on the other side of the sideline either if you're using that against the Bengals' ammunition in this one. Yeah, it's true. And, again, it's just another advantage that the Raiders, that, excuse me, the Bengals have in this one. Um, real quick, uh, just before we get out of here, we have some breaking news, I guess, from, from the wire. Jamar Chase is officially a second-team all-pro receiver. He was the only one to get any all pros for the Bengals roster. I think he was behind both Justin Jefferson and Debo Samuel surprisingly got Interesting. In on the first team pro bowl. So I think a lot of people expected Justin Jefferson to get that, but Jefferson and chase are both second team all pros as they're the only other receivers to get all pro votes. And officially the Bengals have elevated Mike Daniels and Trent Taylor from the practice squad to play in Saturday's game. As we speculated, Daniels will take, Josh Tupo's spot in Trent Taylor has been elevated in the past month and a half to be the team's kick and pump returner. I hope to hell that Mike Daniels has a game. I know, I know mm-hmm. it may be a, uh, he is one of our favorite guys. Um, and if he, if the Bengals, well, win, win or lose, if the Bengals, if he plays well, if they win or whatever, I would, we got to get him back on the show because I would love to talk to him about that. And you know, he is, I mean, you know, you feel bad for Josh Tupo for sure, but you know that this is just something that is really, really special to him based on how this year has played out, based on how his career has gone. This may be, he. I mean, he said it's, you know, obviously he and his wife took to Twitter and said, you know, there's plenty more in the tank beyond this year. Um, and really, since he hasn't played his, his body and he's been keeping his body in great shape, you know, it's possible that he plays beyond this year. But if the Bengals go on a deep run here, um, that would be just be really, really awesome for a guy like Mike Daniels. Um, and I, we, I know we've got a soft spot for him, John, but uh, I'd be, I'd be very excited for him uh, and a number of different levels. If, if he played well, if the Bengals advanced all of that. 
Yeah, that'll, that'll be quite the story to, to just recall this entire season of, of getting cut and then just going yeah. on the practice squad and just staying ready. Like, I think his perspective on this entire journey leading up to this weekend will be fantastic. And and you know he's going to be really candid in, in his uh, storytelling. Well, we're going to get out of here. But before we do, a very, very – thank you for that breaking breaking news, by the way, John. A very, very important question asked by Alex to John. How many shots are you doing at Holy Grail tonight at the – I think it's the locked on meetup, right? Um, and uh, how 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 much fun are you having tonight? I guess is the the polite way of saying that. Yeah, shout out Alex. Me, me and him met for the first time uh, before week four at the the Blind Pig when we were out nice. there um, with the first meetup with everyone in Cincinnati. So hopefully, I'll see you tonight, Alex. And I don't think I'm having too many shots because I got to drive tonight. But tomorrow, if things go well, shots will be flowing sure there you go there you go uh have a good time tell james hello for me as well uh i you know i don't i don't think jake's there but if he is there um say hello to him too uh that'll be that'll be fun and you know next time i i make it out there john we'll have to do a little arrange a little meetup of some kind unfortunately in week one when i was out there just was very limited on time and whatnot so couldn't plan that but um we'll have to we'll have to do so we've been talking about that for a long, long time about doing a, a meetup thing too. And just unfortunately hasn't happened, but we'll have to do something like that. That'd be fun. I'm sure we can rally the, the OBI troops there. I'm sure yeah. we, can well, I, we don't have merch though. So we'd have to, you know, with all these guys have this cool merch and we're, I don't know what we're, <laughs> we'll have to get our hands on some Cincy jungle stuff or something, or Hey, harness some graphic design skills, John. I don't, I don't have any of those. So I don't, I don't know what to, what to do. <laughs> I'll have to hit up aces guy or unless yeah, yeah, he's yeah. doing it himself. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Well, cool. We're gonna get out of here. Thanks everybody for the questions. We've been going at it for for about an hour. A lot of uh, a lot of good questions, calls, chats, all kinds of different stuff. We tried to get to as many as possible. Uh, any final thoughts before we bounce out of here, John? I hope you have a great time tonight at the meetup, and of course, I hope the Bengals take care of business for you tomorrow, as you will be there in person. Yeah, um, everyone who's going out tonight and obviously tomorrow, stay safe. Uh, Omicron still exists. Um, real quick, you notice Randall's got a new shirt. This was given oh yeah, what my, is that? My my Steelers fan of a mom. Um, oh, a big Star Wars fan. Yeah. yeah, and it says on the bottom, "Win we will." So I that's Yoda it. making the prediction, not me. You already know my prediction. I, I didn't jinx anything. But um, yeah, shout out to mom. That's awesome. Yeah, I've got a I've got a Bengal Star Wars one. Not that one. I've got the I think it's the Rebel the Rebel ones. Um, so it's a that's actually a really cool uh little design that they in collaboration that they did with Star Wars this year. They have some really cool mm-hmm. really cool shirts. That's a good one. I don't think I've seen the Yoda one. That's cool. I've seen the Darth Vader one, and I've seen the the other one that I have. But that one's that one's pretty cool. And it's got the tiger head looks like next to Yoda there too, right? Uh, yeah, it's got it's got the elite logo, you know. Yeah, the elite logo. I like it. Hey, let's have some fun this weekend. We're going to be bringing you all kinds of different content, not only on this show but on CincyJungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, etc. Keep it there. Keep it to the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. Keep it to our channel, and of course, you can get this show by subscribing. There's a little icon at the bottom corner under John and under that SB Nation logo there for our YouTube channel. You can click that to subscribe, click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. If you like what we're doing, hit the thumbs up and uh, that helps us out. Appreciate it and appreciate all of the interaction on the YouTube channel. And of course, this show, along with Matt Mannix, Chalk Talk, Orange is the New Black from Ace and Zim. All of that is part of the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. 
where you can subscribe on your favorite podcast streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of the major ones. We're there. Subscribe, leave a review. That helps us out. John, have a have a fun weekend, man. I'm I'm hoping. I'm hoping I it I was like eight the last time that the Bengals won a playoff game. It is way overdue. I'm 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 very ready for a win this weekend. In, in Burrow, they trust, man. In Burrow, they trust. In Burrow, they trust. That's right. Have a good time this weekend, dude. I want to see pictures and, and videos. Like I said, uh, we'll we'll maybe share some on the air if they're if they're clean enough. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll share them. But have a good time. Might be a weekend, mix. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Take it easy. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.